Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWaySCC.org. And again, you're listening to Community Matters. Best-selling author of Buddhist Bootcamp, Timber Hawkeye, will be coming to Jamestown this month to give a free talk at the Mental Health Association. We talked to both him and MHA Sean Jones about the visit. The Mental Health Association in Chautauqua County is holding a special event on Tuesday, September 27th with author Timber Hawkeye. From his website, Timber Hawkeye is described as a best-selling author, a podcast producer, a publisher, and an international public speaker, but in person, Quote, he is just another friendly face in town. He has written the books Buddhist Boot Camp, Faithfully Religionless, and The Opposite of Namaste. We're fortunate to have Timber Hawkeye on the phone with us in this morning, as well as MHA Project Manager Sean Jones in studio with us. So good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. So, Timber, I, w- I want to start with you first because I was looking at your biography and some of the things that you've been through and um, how these books came about. But I want you to talk about maybe in your own words, how did this series of books come to be this Buddhist book camp and everything? It really happened by, I want to say accident in the sense I was sending letters to my friends every month. And after eight years, uh, one of my best friends said, you know, those emails you've been sending us, you need to compile them and share them with others. And I thought, who, who would want to read my personal letters to you? <laughs> and she said, well, Timber, that's not for you to decide. You publish them, and people will decide if they want to read it. And I'm glad I took myself out of that equation and took, took on her suggestion, because it turns out th- my story is not mine. It's not unique to me at all. We are all uh, battling very similar demons, and what I was experiencing going through and learning, uh, we're all uh, going through at the same time. I just have no uh, attachment to hiding it in, in any way, if that makes sense. I'm, I have no fear. There's no shame about the challenges and the difficulties, and because I find that the moment I share them with others, I'm not judged for it. Uh, it's embraced as someone else's story as well. Uh, more than once, someone has told me, oh my gosh, do we have the same mother? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's, uh, it just sort of happened uh, on a dare almost uh, initially. And I'm pleasantly surprised that the same messages that have enriched my own experience of life is having a similar effect on others who are reading the book. So that's the short version of it, if, if that helps. Mm-hmm. I saw, and this is something that I found really interesting is that the faith you were raised in and then you your faith journey I guess if you want to say it's been very it's very unique and I thought could you explain could you explain kind of where you 
came from and where you are now, I guess, maybe in, in less than, I guess, however many prescribed minutes. Yeah, I, I was technically uh, born Jewish. Uh, in, in Judaism, if your parents are Jewish, if your mother is Jewish, then you are as well. And, and Judaism doesn't care if you convert a hundred times over in their eyes, you will always be Jewish, even if you don't celebrate it, and I never have. I was raised uh, not in a very Jewish household. We didn't really celebrate um, our Judaism necessarily, but when we moved from Israel to the States, all of a sudden the fact that I was Jewish became very important to my parents. I wasn't allowed to date anyone who wasn't Jewish, for example, which I thought was really unfair that you you move a teenager uh, to a, a city like San Francisco and you narrow their dating pool to only people who ascribe to the same faith you suddenly identify with. And so instead of sticking to my own, which was my parents' suggestion, I kind of did the exact opposite. I was all of a sudden surrounded by people of different faiths and races and cultures, and I wanted to know everything about everyone and all of them. And I started studying religion and psychology simultaneously because I want to know not just what people believe, but why we believe what we do. And so technically I'm Jewish, but I've over the years uh, adopted a mantra that is Hindu. My morning meditation is actually the Catholic prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And I was ordained as a Buddhist monk back in 2008. And my altar has Buddha on it next to Jesus, next to St. Francis, and they get along just fine. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's eclectic, and yet at the root of it is very much the interconnectedness and oneness that I would say every tradition speaks of. It's just not exclusive. It's very inclusive, if that makes sense. It does. Mm-hmm. And, and, and would you say that that whole, you know, learning about the different religions and, and creating your own kind of spiritual path, is that in part of what informed the books you've written? Yeah, because I realized at one point that much to what you just said, uh, it was my, my own path, and I really thought I was doing my own thing. And then one day I uh, was invited to hear the Dalai Lama speak. And at the time, I'll be really honest, I didn't know who he was. I was like, is he like the Pope of Buddhism? Like, I don't understand. You know, it was just, he was just this figure out there. And, and I went to hear him speak, and he was talking about self-control, determination, and freedom from anger. And three years prior to that, I had those same words tattooed on my chest as part of my own core values and and I realized, like, who is this guy? Like, that's my gig. And that's, and that's when I really dove into Buddhism. And in, in my way, I didn't pick up a book about it. I moved into a Buddhist monastery. And I realized this, this is not mine. This is ancient stuff that uh, has been going on for years. I just didn't have a name for it. So initially, much like you said, I, it was my own. And then I realized this isn't unique to me at all. So it informed the journey but it didn't dictate it, meaning I didn't find Buddhism and then change my life to match it. I was already living a life that a friend once told me when I was working at a frozen yogurt shop. I told him about my life, and he goes, dude, it sounds like you're a Buddhist monk. And I'm like, let's look that up. And it turns out, <laughs> yes, I was already living. You know, I was a minimalist before there was, we even had a word for it. I, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't eating meat. I wasn't smoking. I still am not, you know, and he's like, are you a monk? And it turns out, 
monkhood is not necessarily you're not a monk if you live in a monastery uh and you you don't stop being a monk when you move out of the monastery it's it's a way to live it's a it's a commitment it's a vow and uh i i it wasn't official at first i called it just timberism but i realize now that it's it's a collection of many different walks of life and it's truly rewarding um and like i said inclusive rather than exclusive Mm-hmm. And so you've been on this, you know, path you've written, you've written about your, you know, things you've gone through and also then um, the Buddhist, Buddhist boot camp, uh, which in a sense you could some, I, I, from what I understand, and Sean and I were talking about that, is that you can read it out of order and use it, you know, to reference uh, just whatever you know, might be appropriate. But so your purpose right now, so it's you, you, I see you go around, you, you obviously you're still writing, but then you also have a podcast and you, and you go out and speak, but do you have uh, some sort of goal when you go out into the community? <laughs> I just chuckled at the word goal. Uh, no, uh, in fact, there's a chapter in the book called The Problem with Being Goal-Oriented. Uh, no, I, I have a very set intention. Uh, when I took the vows to, to, to be of service in the world, it's kind of like showing up uh, to volunteer at a shelter and you show up and you say, you use me as you see fit, meaning you don't know what they're going to use you for. You may say, they may say chop onions. They may say clean the windows. They may say feed the, you know, sweep outside or clean the toilet. You show up and you do what you're told to do. And when I took the vows, it was really to be of service to others. And a friend contacted me when I was living in the monastery and said, you know, I know you love living there, but how are you being of service? if you're tucked away in the mountains somewhere and nobody can reach you. And it was, it was a wonderful reflection, almost like a, you know, intervention, but it was what I needed to hear. I don't regret moving there, but I couldn't justify staying. So what does being a service look like is, is sharing what I learned and meeting people where they are, which is why there's the books, there's the podcast, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. It's really just meeting people where they are in life now and saying you don't have to sell everything you own and, and go live in a cave somewhere, here's how you can incorporate the same lessons I've learned that have been taught for thousands of years. They're not my own. I'm not a teacher. I just share what I've learned. I translate it to a language that people today can go beyond understanding to actually implementing into their lives. And a lot of it is not Buddhist in the scholarly sense. It's not religious in any way. It's about mindfulness. And mindfulness you know, is, is a way to bring awareness into the role we play in our own anguish, meaning we are so accustomed to blaming other people for how we feel, whereas mindfulness goes, you chose that feeling. Don't blame someone else for it, you know. And, and mindfulness doesn't make other people less irritating. It makes you less irritable. And that's, it's, it's very transformative because we try so hard to live in a bubble where nobody pushes our buttons my invitation is to get to a point where you don't have any buttons that can be pushed. So that's what the books and the podcasts and all of that and, and the traveling the world and giving these talks is all about, whether I'm speaking at a high school or at a yoga studio, at a church, or at a maximum security prison, uh, working with people in recovery or, you know, at, at really prestigious corporations about the importance of self-care. The intention behind all of it is really to self-awareness, and accountability. And it's not easy. Uh, you know, the hardest thing for us to see is ourselves. 
and I walk around holding up a mirror going, look what you're doing. <laughs> so it's either very warmly embraced or absolutely just there's aversion to it. I, I don't take either personally. It's just that's where that person is. I don't know if that makes sense or even answers your question. But <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, again, thinking about, because my next question was going to be, how, how did the uh, Mental Health Association in Chautauqua County, how did they come to inviting you? Although I would say, you know, I can understand, but maybe either Sean, if you want to say, how, how, how was that connection made between the MHA and Timber? Well, I mean, the, the short of it is um, I follow him on social media and listen to his podcast, and I get email updates. And <clears throat> when I saw that he uh, came out with a new book um, and that he was planning on doing a book tour, um, I immediately emailed um, to see if he'd be able to come to Jamestown to be able to come to the MHA. Um, and I was very happy to get a response pretty quickly. Um, and they were, you know, it was like, yeah, I can, I'm going to be in Ohio on this date and that's right near you. And how does this week work? And I said, perfect. <laughs> yes, the 27th, 27th works perfect. Um, but I mean, to take it back a, a little bit, um, and Timber, I'm sure you don't remember this, but you were in Jamestown about uh, six years ago um, and you had came into my restaurant um, before your speaking engagement um, that evening. Um, and I had just read an article about you. Um, and I ended up, um, recognizing who you were and sitting down and talking with you for a while. And I bought a copy of Buddhist Boot Camp and then came and listened to you speak. Um, at that point I was just about six months into my, um, recovery. Um, and you know, your book just put a lot of different things into perspective for me personally. Um, and so, like I said, that was six years ago. I've been in recovery now for s just about seven years. Um, but when I started working at the MHA four years ago, um, I used to, so we have some different mindfulness groups that we do. Um, and we use some uh, traditional books that are like 12, not 12 step programs, but Buddhist uh, step programs. Um, but we also just do meditations and mindfulness with our participants. And what I was doing is I would do a meditation with them, a guided meditation. And then I would read a passage from your book. Um, and then we would have a discussion about that, you know. And so that's, you know, when I saw that you were going on the book tour, I was just like, this is perfect. I have told so many people about you and, you know, and how you impacted my life um, and, I wanted them to be able to experience the same thing, if that makes sense. Um, because that's, you know, when you talk about meeting people where they're at, that's what we do at the MHA. We don't, we're a non-for-profit, you know, anyone can come through our doors. We don't charge them for anything we do. Um, and we meet them exactly where they're at. We don't force them to go into recovery. We don't push any ideas or paths on them. Um, we just, we, we help them do the things that they want to do at that moment in time. Um, and you know, just like you just got done talking about, um, you're someone who kind of helped me realize that a long time ago of that's the best way to approach things in life. Um, and I've been able to use that to, um, help the participants in our community as well. So stepping in here, uh, 
with this event that's happening on Tuesday, September 27th, you mentioned that everything is, is uh, free at MHA. Mm-hmm. So this will be a free event. What can we expect at the event? And uh, maybe, Sean, I don't know if you want to start. Or I don't know, Timber, if, if, who wants to join it? It's like, Timber, when someone comes to here, what, what can they expect at one of your events? I'm chuckling because I, I rarely know what to expect. And <laughs> it's because what we do is, Again, I, uh, there's no, I don't charge a speaking fee. It's free for everyone. Anyone can come. And we get in a room, and it starts with me just kind of dropping these um, little seeds of thought, these, these ideas, but it's, it's never as a talk. It's a discussion, meaning the conversation can go from, in a multiple different directions. So what people can expect is a very non-confrontational conversation where you can just sit and, and observe and, and listen, or you can engage and ask questions and direct the conversation to where you want it to go. That's why I show up, and I don't know. It's not like I have a spiel, like, this is what we're going to talk about. It's like, here are some tools that I still use today that help me, and is there a scenario in which you think this wouldn't work, and let's figure out what might, you know? And so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very casual. And we cover a lot of ground in just just a little over an hour. And in my experience, and I've done over 500 of these across the U.S., U.K., and Australia, everyone always walks away with something. You know, I never know what's going to stick, but something always does. And then they take that piece, and then they, they it's planted, and then they cultivate and, and water it. And then the things that grow from that are just absolutely beautiful. So... If nothing else, you can expect uh, a very engaging uh, evening of conversation, which I think we are, we're very hungry for as a society. And because we're, we're always in the, we're either observing, um, meaning ab- absorbing data that's thrown at us, and we're not engaging with it necessarily, or when we are, we are just reacting to it rather than responding to it and, and, and having a dialogue about it. Meaning when we see things on social media, it's information thrown at us and we get to either scroll past it, react to it with either like a thumbs up or at most maybe a comment. But oftentimes it's not a conversation, it's not a dialogue. And so this is a really great opportunity for people of all walks to come together and say, how can mindfulness increase the... I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a difficult time finding the exact words because it, it's hard work, but, and so I can say it increases the level of joy in my life, but it increases the level of clarity in my life. Now, that may initially be a deterrent. People are like, I don't, I don't want to see how I'm contributing to my own suffering. So they're like, man, I wish I didn't. It's, it's like watching a documentary about your favorite company or your favorite product. And you're like, I wish I didn't know that because now I can't support them anymore. You know, so it's like you can't go back to not knowing. But ultimately, knowledge is power. And when you're aware of how you're creating your own suffering, mm-hmm. you can stop. And that is huge. Uh, it's just not everyone. So those who are interested uh, will benefit from it and those who will not. Um, may benefit from it later on, but I don't know. I can't speak for others. Um, yeah. Ask me again after the event or ask people who came to the event what um, they experienced, and you may even get 
a different answer from every person. Mm-hmm. You know, when you mentioned you know, chance for a discussion in terms of things being presented or thrown at us through whether social media or wherever the outlet might be, uh, especially the last two years, how difficult that was for like, those opportunities to engage with others in person or, you know, uh, you know, that's where there's not some sort of barrier, um, physical barrier, whether it's computer between people or whatever have you. Um, those are so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in, and then, so I think for anybody who's listening that if you're looking for a chance and you, you don't have to be someone who is in recovery, you, don't, you could just yeah. be someone who's coming. I, from what I'm gathering, from what I'm hearing, anybody who's interested in maybe hearing more about mindfulness, uh, this might be a great event for them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. I just, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the one thing is, you know, at MHA, Julie, as you know, I mean, all of our groups are wide open to the public, um, you know, and you don't have to be in recovery. You don't have to have, you know, some sort of mental health condition or substance use condition or anything. You know, all people are welcome to just come and participate in any of our groups, um, and especially our mindfulness groups have always been attended um, by people of all walks of life. You know, f- people who are, you know, in real dire straits, going through some really tough times in their life to someone who just wants to come and sit and meditate, you know. Um, and, you know, when you talk about those barriers and that, you know, that was one thing during COVID, you know, that was in the very beginning when everything shut down, um, I can remember us sitting at our staff meeting the the day that it was announced. Basically, the the country was shut down, um, and Stephen, you know, the executive director, said, you know, whoever wants to work from home, you can, you know, these things, whatever. Um, and I just I just went up to him afterwards. I said, I can't. I have to stay here. We have to be here because that's the only way this works. Is if we're connected with our participants and we're here for these people, you know, um, working with the homeless and, you know, that it's, you can't zoom them (laughs) and ask them, you know, uh, do you need food? You know? So, I mean, just staying there and just working through it, you know, um, that connection is just so important in life. So Timber, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's, you know, that connection and those discussions that you have with people to, um, just help them figure out things for themselves, you know? Yeah, um, it, and, and see, so the, the, yeah, beyond the book, beyond anything I can offer online, beyond, you know, these online courses or whatever you want to call them that people do, and mm. and this is an opportunity to go to, like, oh, he's real. Like, this is a real person, yeah. and he's incorporated this into his life. It's not just in theory. Mm-hmm. He's walking the talk, and that's, and that's where the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. So, yeah, I can't. I can't just sit in my own little paradise and and tell people how to live their life. That's not what I do. Yeah. Uh, there's not a single should statement in any of the books. There's never uh, a recipe being handed out like this. This this will solve all your problems. Yeah. Not at all. It's like how are you creating? You know, um, I don't want to say your own. Uh, circumstances, because we're not always responsible for the things that are happening, but we are always responsible for how we respond to those. That is our response ability, meaning the ability to choose our response to what's happening. Mm-hmm. And for many people, that's just mind-blowing. Like, oh, I, I can be in a stressful situation and not be stressed? Like, wow. Like, yeah, because you don't, 
you can't control the situation, but you can control how you respond to it. Yeah. You can be surrounded by annoying people and not get annoyed. That is an option. Many people just never considered it. And so these are tools to incorporate. And like Sean said, you don't have to be, you know, technically, officially in recovery or diagnosed with some... Me- you just, uh, uh, just, just anyone who's alive can benefit from figuring out how am I steering my life in the direction that it's going rather than just being taken by the current. Yeah. You know, do I have a rudder? Do I have some, you know, responsibility to how I um, interact with the water rather than blaming it for doing this to me, if that makes sense? Yeah. It does. Well, once again, uh, Tuesday, September 27th, 7 p.m. at the Mental Health Association. Uh, more information can be found about this event, Sean, at... On our website. Um, so that <clears throat> that's uh, Mental Health Association in Chautauquacounty.org um, or on our Facebook page. Um, we've also uh, Timber created a uh, event page that we've been sharing um, you know, on our Facebook page and my personal one, but also too, if anyone has any questions out there and they'd like to know more, they can contact me um, personally. Um, they can call 716-490-1048 or even stop down to the MHA in Chautauqua County and we're at 31 Water Street in Jamestown, New York, around in the back of the building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's on my website as well, BuddhistBootCamp.com, the event there and all the other events with links to MHA and mm-hmm. uh, anything, the podcast information, it's, it's all there, uh, videos, whatever you need. <laughs> uh, I hope to see you there. Okay. Well, I want, Timber, thank you so much for calling in. Sean, thanks for coming into the studio mm-hmm. today. So great to have you both here today. Thank you. Thank you. Aloha.